Website versus salesperson. Who's going to be the winner? Hey, I'm Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com and host of the Top 100 B2B Marketing Podcast, Business Growth Show. If you haven't yet, check out my weekly email where I'm sharing actual website and marketing tips, free goodies, resources, and more to kick off your week with a bang. Give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. So on today's episode, Benjamin Dennehy, the UK's most hated sales trainer, actually invited me onto his show. We battled it out on whether your website beats a salesperson. We have a healthy debate. There's a lot of banter, a lot of back and forth. Well, I'll share some actionable tips how to make your website a 24-7 sales rep to generate a steady flow of sales leads to fuel your team and fuel your growth and revenue. We also talk about how I got into sales and also how to leverage LinkedIn to drive sales opportunities. With that, let's dive in. So today I have a great guest. I've been on his podcast a couple of times and we've had an awesome time whenever we've been together. He's well known on LinkedIn. He's a creator of fantastic websites. Uh, he has an opinion on why websites are so much better than salespeople. So I would like to introduce you all, and I'm sure you already know him if you follow me, but this is Mr. Sam Dunning. Welcome, Sam. Hey, Benjamin. Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. And okay. excited to, to have a chat. Yes, a indeed. So as we say, the purpose of my podcast is... Um, most podcasts want to speak to really cool people and leaders and gurus and all that. And I, say, I want to talk to ordinary, everyday folk who are out there in business and who are selling because the people in the trenches are the one that matter the most. None of these, you know, thought leaders or stuff like that, even though I'm not saying you're not, but you know where I'm going at. Yeah. So first question I always ask everybody is how on earth did you end up in sales? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so mine's a bit of a funny one, actually. So back, if we rewind, I'm 31 now, but back to when I was about 17, 18 or so, I used to have an obsession with a game called World of Warcraft. Like, I used to play this game like crazily. It sucked, basically sucked my life in for many years. And then eventually, I was still in my parents. are like, Sam, you've got to get a job if you want to stay. <laughs> so I was like, fair enough. Um, so I worked initially, just handed my CV into a bunch of places um, and Jessup's camera shop, if you remember them. I do. Not sure if they're still on the high street in the UK, but um, they they accepted me in. I had a, at the time I was doing media in college, so it was kind of relevant. And that made me realize I actually hate the general public. Because working in retail is probably the ultimate patience test. So my wife now, she's, she's a manager in a retail store, and I have no idea how she does it because the amount of abuse people would give you. And the thing was, like, when I was working there, you were told to go up to the prospects that might have been looking at cameras video cameras you name it and say look hi how are you doing can I help you today when really that's the worst question you can ask people because it literally infuriates people and you'd have like middle-aged men saying what do you mean how you can help me if you want to help me boy put on the kettle make me a cup of tea and get out my way and stuff like that it's like, literally within six seven months I was I was at my wits end I was like I'm on minimum wage this is not doing me any favors and my cousin who's now one of the co-owners here at WebChoice, basically said there's a potential job going up at a company that builds websites. So I literally took an interview there, um, went through a few questions with the owner at the time, and then the next day he said, you can start. So I quit Jessup's on the spot, got into WebChoice, and um, started messing around with all sorts, really a bit of project management, a bit of selling, um, 
a bit of kind of team management, kind of learning how to build websites, eventually learning SEO. And that was kind of the, the starting point, really. Wow. So it was never planned. So you're like virtually everyone. It was not planned. It's just something you fell into. Yeah, no, it is. This is, like I said, 95% of people who find themselves in sales have got there that route. Uh, And as you know, I bang on. That's why it's not a profession. It's called a profession. But, you know, there are not many lawyers or surgeons who just fell into it, are there? So Definitely um, not. No, no. So this is interesting. Okay, so what is it about sales that keeps you coming back? Because I mean, it it can be if you're bad or mediocre, quite a soul destroying and really, really tough it, job at times. So what is it that keeps you coming back? It's that's a tough one. I'm not sure if there's one single answer. I mean, the good thing about selling is, like, with being blunt, you can earn decent money. So it's one of those careers where you don't necessarily need to have an education for years and years, like you said, being a doctor, being a surgeon, and you can earn decent cash. Now, of course, it's not as simple as that because I run a business, so I've got a hundred other things to consider, just like yourself um, and a team. But it's one of those things like, I'm sure you've had many guests say the same, when you're selling, you can kind of raise the roof or or raise the ceiling as where 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 you want to get to by how much you educate yourself, how much you put yourself out there. For example, when I for years ago, I mean, up until probably four or five years when I didn't have a sales process, I didn't qualify prospects in, didn't qualify out, didn't have a systematic thing that I followed to actually get deals from initial conversation through to, to one business. Then it was painstaking. Then I'd kind of forever have deals in my pipeline that were stalling and things like that. But once you kind of realize that you actually need to invest in yourself, whether that's watching videos, reading books, podcasts, mentors, coaches, however way you want to do it, as many ways you can go about it, it, it switches things up big time and you realize like i've been doing things stupidly for years and years yeah i mean that's a really good point you need a process you need a structure when selling and a lot of salespeople, as you put it they don't have that which means you're just on a rat race and you're you're spinning this wheel and it's just dumb luck yeah something comes over the line and you don't control it too many people don't control the sales process it's really good that you pointed out that a process and a structure is important. And as I say, I don't think it matters which process or structure you follow. Just follow one and get really good at it. I, I don't say just follow me. My way is the only way. Do Zig Ziglar, you know, do uh, spin, uh, you know, all of the different types are out there. Just get good at one of them and you'll make money. Okay. So let me ask you this then. As you point out, you're not just a salesman, you run a business. So you're an entrepreneur. So it means you've got many, 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 many hats on right um help me out here i admire people that have employees i can't do it i've tried i am not a manager of people so tell me how you uh how do you find the patience and the resilience and the skill to manage people well i'm lucky that i've got two other co-owners <laughs> as a first as a first point so it's not purely me with kind of all stress and things and when there's issues on on my head but yeah, it's a difficult one. I suppose my situation's a little bit different because me and one of the other owners do a lot of the the sales side of things. Then the rest of our team tend to do the execution. So like designing sites, delivering sites, SEO strategies, paid ads, and they'll look after that. Whereas we're more in the project management and sales side of things. So I get to do the bits and pieces and the marketing that I enjoy. But that said, there's always things you've got to manage. So one um, piece of advice that I was given a while back, which I think it was Morgan Ingram when he came on my show, Business Growth Show, um, was when you're 
wanting to deal with people, one of the best things you can do early on is actually understand how they like to take feedback. So you can literally have a conversation with them when they come on board and say, look, do you want a direct approach? Do you want me to be super blunt and say, look, you've done this wrong, but can you look to improve this? Or would you rather I'm more subtle, like say, look, you're doing this well, but there's A, B and C that we should look to improve and here's how we want to do it. Or is there another way you'd like to take feedback, which I thought was a really good way that way you can kind of tailor kind of when things are going well or not so well on your approach to, to how you deal with your team. Um, and another piece of advice, a little piece of advice I was given is when you're working with a sales team, which is not so much relevant for myself, but I'm sure it might be useful for people tuning in is um, kind of when you're sitting down with your sales reps for meetings, understand what their main drivers are. And I don't just mean to earn money, but I mean, personally, like they might say, for example, they want to make, I don't know, 10 grand in commission this quarter. And you say, well, why is that important to you? And they might say, well, because I want to do this. I want to like get a holiday. I want to kind of get a deposit on a house. And then you want to dive a bit deeper, say, why is that important? Well, me and my missus are maybe living with our parents at the moment and it's starting to get stressful and I want to kind of have a nice space for ourselves. So really get to the root cause of the drivers of why they want this money or this thing or whatever it is, and then lay down a step-by-step plan. So one of the great bosses I had when I was, working for a marketing company a while ago is he actually laid out a plan of how to make that happen so he literally put down the milestones he said look week one we're going to do this we're going to make calls we're going to build the pipeline week two we're going to do this we're going to set meetings we're going to sit them we're going to do this and then actually sitting down with your reps laying down a plan is that was something that really really helped me back in the day um so those are just a few ideas all right all right all the nice stuff's out of the way now let's get to the meat and veg here you're a web designer marketer Mm -hmm various hats you're on linkedin there's so much noise out there about websites about marketing and i have no doubt that you have strong opinions on this so what do you think is the biggest lie the biggest bs that is pumped on linkedin or other platforms about websites and marketing that you want to you want to go to town on because there'll be people watching this that may be pushing that very ideology so what is it so let's let's have a fight go on what is it you hate about the crap there's probably about a hundred points. Um, I think probably one of the worst ones, which isn't so relevant for mid-sized businesses or large corporations, is the fact that you can probably build your website and it'll get results, as in build it yourself. Um, so do a DIY builder, whether that's WordPress template, whether that's Wix, Squarespace, things like that. Because um, the thing with building it yourself is fine, and you could probably do an okay job to show your wares, but when it comes to if you're a solopreneur, it could probably serve you right. But when it comes to kind of businesses that have got 10, 20, 100 or more staff, it's not really going to work um, because ultimately these most businesses, especially in tech, SaaS, et cetera, you name it, rely on their website to be one of their main providers, as much as you probably ha- hate me to say this, Benjamin, is uh, for their inbound leads, their demo requests, their consult requests, you name it. They're pumping thousands a month into paid advertising, LinkedIn ads, uh, email marketing, SEO, various marketing channels, driving people to this site. So this site needs to be a workhorse to drive qualified opportunities for their sales team. Um, And if you neglect it, then it's going to screw you up. So what is the biggest mistakes people do when they build their own website then? Because again, you could build something that you think looks really quite good and yeah, what you want it's got the functionality they can click on this they can watch this video they can go through to a cart they can buy something so you're looking there well well this does everything that i need it to do so what are the what are the big ballsy mistakes they're making that they shouldn't be 
the, I'd say probably the top mistake when it comes to getting websites that actually drive results, aka inbound revenue, is business owners, marketers, C-suite execs, you name it, design it for ego. Rather, they design it to please themselves rather than their target buyer, the people that are actually going to buy your shit. <laughs> Such a big mistake. And I see it all the time. We like, For example, when we used to build projects, clients would just try and take over and say, we want it like this. We want all the colors red. We want the logo 10 times bigger, all this and that. But really... You've got to put your own thoughts, your own opinions to one side because you're not buying your stuff. You've probably got a warehouse full of your software. <laughs> You've got tons of it. You want to sell it. So understanding what your ideal client, whether you're selling to marketing execs in, I don't know, agricultural software industry or whether you're selling to someone completely different, you need to understand what their main drivers are, what they care about, what their main problems are so you can leverage that on your website quickly quickly show them the bits and pieces they want to see to in order to give them an informed decision make them feel like you're someone you can trust and then guide them to take the next step it's interesting how you say that ego because ego also is equally applicable when you're in the sale uh yeah. some people love to talk about what they love which is the same as building a website in the way that you want it to be built you build it to please yourself and satisfy you it's funny because when i had mine built i said to the guy i said look i said just Carte blanche, you do whatever is required to make. You're the expert, I'm not. I don't know. And I accept that if I build a website that I like, that I'm probably building it for me and not for my audience. So you build it in a way that you think will make it work. There are just certain things I wanted it. I want my brand logo and I want my name. But other than that, you figure out everything else. And I stood back because what's the point of paying someone all this money to be an expert? And they'd say, yeah, 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 but I still want to do it this way. It's like... And, you know, you, say, you wouldn't do that with a lawyer or a doctor, right? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Good advice. But I'm going to yeah. do this. It's like, you're an idiot. But you're right. People are. Ego, ego, ego. Ah. So we were talking just before the podcast came on about um, you think websites are better than sales reps. Explain. Yeah, they are. So your website is literally better than any salesperson. There's a number of reasons because of that. I mean, your website's live 24-7. It's constantly in front of your ideal prospects, your ideal target audience on the basis that you market it effectively and you're displaying content, you're getting ads, you're marketing in front of the channels they actively use. So the, the other thing is that websites don't have emotions. So as we talked about then, websites don't have an ego. So on the basis that you're actually designing it for target clients, and by that I mean you're leveraging things like in your content, in your messaging, the main problems that you fix that your target audience really care about, you're leveraging the main benefits that they want to see. You're using your website to build trust with things like social proof. So whether that's reviews, testimonials, videos, case studies, all that good stuff. Um, and also your website's not afraid to qualify people out, whereas many salespeople are. Um, a lot of businesses are scared to share things like pricing on their website. Whereas I say it's one of the best things you can do because your website could generate a ton of leads, but they could all be poor fit wrong type of client or they couldn't afford what you do pricing having a range of pricing options on your site means that your sales reps can speak to people who can afford your stuff rather than wasting everyone's time um and also your website can convert if it's like i say if it follows the right steps in terms of designing copy and build it can convert a steady flow of opportunities whereas sales reps would rather hang out on linkedin send a few emails and they'll be done for the day well interesting you say that because everything what you have said sounds to me and a website's designed to take an order right 
designed to yeah pretty much yeah and most salespeople are actually order takers they're just really crappy ones so <laughs> I, I i think so i disagree technically with the phrase that they're better than sales reps because most sales reps are order takers i think what you mean is that websites are much better order takers and they're just honest about it whereas a sales rep thinks they're in sales right it's not far off yeah 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 because yeah. <laughs> uh, i don't think a website can sell I think it can do exactly what you've said. It can it can draw people in. It can it can answer their intellectual questions. A lot of people, if they're coming to your website, may have already made the decision they're going to buy. They just need the intellectual, you know, satisfaction that this is for them. So I think they are great at uh, you know taking orders, but um, I don't think they sell. I jump in with a few things. So no. there's different types of traffic you can get to your website, or different types of visitors, ranging from people that are super warm. Yep to people that are cold. So let me give you two examples. Someone that's super warm, Benjamin, your case might be someone that's followed your videos, your text posts, your content on LinkedIn for six yeah. months, a year or longer. So they've warmed to you. They've got an idea for your personality, what you're like, and they're going to head to your website. Probably doesn't matter that much how bad your website is because they followed you for so long. They already trust you. Unless your website takes about 20 seconds to load, looks awful, is yeah. difficult to navigate and can't let them do the transaction maybe they want to book onto your course let's say it doesn't do anything that they're probably still going to buy from you or yeah. request a consult now that's a warm warm um visitor okay. let's go to the other side someone that's maybe just stumbled you upon you on google maybe they've searched i don't know some type of sales training phrase for example maybe they've just flicked on one of your youtube videos for the first time um or maybe they've come through some kind of cold advertisement on google facebook you name it then they flicked on your website. That's completely type of visit, completely different type of visitor because they're not aware of who you are. Um, they don't know what you do, do exactly. They don't know how you can help them. Now, this is where your website can kick in because it can clearly show problems that you solve. Um, it can build some trust, like I said, with social proof, reviews, testimonials, case studies, but it can also handle objections. So one of the best things about your website is what I recommend people do is they sit down with their sales team today, grab them a beer, grab them a coffee, list down the top objections and frustrations that you get on a daily or weekly basis from your prospects or customers. Make a full list of them, then leverage them on your website copy where relevant. So what you can do is if you've got key service pages or key product pages, whatever, on each one where relevant, at the bottom have a section of FAQs where you list out those top three or four questions that are relevant. Maybe you have a video answering them, maybe you just have text. And this can help kind of convert skeptical prospects um, and it also can save your sales team time because you've literally answered the question before it comes up on a sales call. So that's super effective as well as having kind of trust builders and then qualifiers like sharing your process, who you can, who you can't help, and then guiding people with pricing and then making it easy for them to give you a call or request a consult, whatever you want to do, demo. Okay. Okay. All right. No, no, I'll take that. That's a good point, actually. So no, that is a good point. All right. I'll give you that. Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long, but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time? Okay, you're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we, we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh my God. Ah, yes. 
All right. Via ownership to one of our AEs pinged me and goes, guess what just worked? Exactly how it should have happened. This is exactly how it should have happened. I could have done it. With, oh my God, you are incredible. So there it is. Proof of the power of Chili Piper. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash BGS. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R dot com slash BGS. Chilipiper.com forward slash BGS. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today. Okay, so uh, let me ask you this, Sid. Um, a lot of people want to set up their own businesses. A lot of people want to go into web design, and so many people actually, because they think it's easy, don't they? Just like a lot of people think sales is easy. What is the most challenging and difficult thing about selling what you sell, do you think? Making money. <laughs> so I, I, right yeah, I, I did a post about this earlier. So I'll give you an example from my own case. So when we started, I used to try and sell to anyone and everyone. And it's not that hard to sell websites for 200, 300, 500 quid, but you're going to stress the heck out of yourself. In as with most things, when you sell cheap, the clients tend to be the most problematic and they tend to want the earth on a stick for 20 quid. Not all the time, but it's it's quite often the case um, from my experience anyway. So it means that you're, yes, you're selling stuff, but it's unless it's just yourself or you're doing this on the side, you're not really going to make much cash and you're going to cause yourself more harm than good. You're stressing out forever building these kind of cheap sites where clients want unlimited revisions. However, if you niche down, um, so if you think, well, I'm specifically want to target this industry because I know that the sites we build are going to be really useful for them. For example, we tend to now, Whilst we do other ranges because we get inquiries from like B2C companies, et cetera, we tend to focus on like B2B businesses that want their website to act as a, a lead generator for their sales reps, whether that's demos, consults, et cetera. So typically those companies are going to have a decent sized sales force um, and they're going to maybe already be using their website, but it's not as effective as they hoped it would be. Or maybe they're investing in marketing, but it's not converting a steady flow of leads. So we know that that's the kind of niche we want to target. Therefore, the way we market ourselves, the content I put on LinkedIn, the ads that we put out, the podcasts I put out on my channel are all geared towards this type of audience. So the type of marketing reflects that. And likewise, the end product, the tool that we, the engine we use to then convert that traffic, the website is also geared to speak to that type of audience. So understanding who you want to attract, who's actually got decent money to spend with you, who appreciates the product, um, who's going to get real use and value out of it, and kind of niching down to that. I'm not saying you can do that straight away because initially, yes, you need cash flow. You need to build up taste testimonials, case studies, just like we did. But once you've got a bit of cash in the bank, once you've got those kind of social proofs and you've, you're ready to ramp things up, then kind of going, taking that next step is going to help out a lot. 
Okay. And what channels do you use then to drive people to your website? Because obviously a website's great, but if no one's going to it, then it's a useless. Uh, <laughs> it's utterly useless. Right? So you, you obviously, you build great websites that do everything that you've said, but you've got to get people there. So you must do this. So what do you do? How do you drive people to your website for your business? Yeah, one of the most important things, right? Because we've literally had clients we've talked to and they want to spend 20 grand on a website or more. And then it's like, well, what are you spending on marketing? Or what are you going to keep aside for marketing? And they're like, oh, not really thought about that. Um, well, that's the most important part, actually driving people to the site. So what we do, I mean, to give you an insight into our top channels, and then feel free to quiz me if you want to know about other industries, what might be effective. Um, so our main driver is SEO. So we sell SEO and we very much practice what we preach. So in UK, EU, if you type in web development company, we're organic page one. Um, so that drives. So help me out because a lot of people hear the phrase SEO all the time. It's constantly bandied around, but I think there's a bit more to it. It's it's. I know it stands for search engine optimization. It's being found. Yeah. Oh, so I'm a sales trainer. I mean, that's probably going to be one of the most ubiquitous terms: sales training, cold calling, <laughs> and there are thousands. So how do you? Yeah. I mean, don't give away your secrets, obviously. But how would you get someone like me, someone Google sales trainer? How would someone like me pop up no matter where they are in the world? I mean, it's I'm not asking for free advice here, but just, just a, an overview of how this works. Yeah, so yours is a tricky one, right? Yeah. So S- SEO is basically the process of getting your website organically in the non-paid listings to page one of Google um, to drive traffic, inquiries, whatever you want to do. Now, sales trainer, that term is extremely competitive, right? Yes. So a big mistake that people do when they come to SEO is they try to target massively competitive search terms and it's like unless you've got a massive budget or a massive team to do this work you're probably never going to do it um Uh so you want to niche down with what's called longer tail keywords so what that might be for you is i don't know best sales trainer in london or wherever you let's say you've got a let's say or your case maybe you do a bit of work with the finance market right and i imagine they've got a decent amount of cash to spend on projects yeah. Um, so you might go specific to that industry because you know they they have a need. So you might go financial sales training or sales training for for FX companies. Ah, uh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's yeah. rather than going for super competitive sales training because yeah. any Tom, Dick, and Harry, and also you might get a range of inquiries with like no budget to a little bit. Um, so picking that niche, so going for some search terms that are relevant, um, niche, etc., is a good first step, and also making sure they've got a bit of traffic. So using tools like Semrush or google keyword planner you can research that and obviously then with your knowledge and skill you help people figure out what those words should be and what the term yeah exactly it's like trying to rank for something like crm and you're going against hubspot and salesforce ain't gonna happen yeah (laughs) and then yeah you'd map out a strategy with work on your website off of your website you said something interesting which i want to pick your brain uh, on as well Uh, you said paid adverts and organic Mm. and am i like most people i don't click paid adverts there's something about paid adverts that you recoil from why is that it's a good point and one interesting thing is google are constantly trying to tweak the way they present them like they used to say ad and then they said sponsored, and then they changed the color of the text sponsored, and then they flicked it again. So they're constantly testing ways that can make people click through and think it's an organic listing, even though it isn't. But I'm the same. Like My reflex is, because I'm in marketing, I don't want to cost people like five quid, 10 quid, or however much it is to click the ad. Uh, I'd rather go to the organic search. But I think 
it's a funny thing benjamin i can't tell you the exact psychology but i think from what i've seen people place more trust in organic listings um, so because they know they haven't paid make them just look organic well, why do they they're, they're trying to just like many not just google but just like other aggregators like clutch g2 yeah. uh capterra all these different listing sites they're doing what they can to make these sponsored listings look as natural as possible but i imagine legally because people are paying they have to make them stand out a bit oh i see so if i was in doing paid advertising i'd say no make it look or get don't no, i don't care you don't need to so uh, yeah maybe some legal requirement because it is interesting why would you just not let them look like all the others mm. no one would know and people would click on them but yeah it's just yeah i don't know again you're right i don't know the psychology it's like well if you pay to be there i think it is if you pay to be there you're probably not that good and i think that's the underpinning thing yeah i mean it with with Google Ads, you can do a mix, right? I mean, if you're, for example, if you're working in your SEO, depending on how competitive the industry or the sector or the keyword you're going after, what would be quite interesting is to look at some of those for you. Like if there was industries that you wanted to tap in and then see how competitive they were. But anyway, that aside, if you want short-term results, then sticking up Google Ads makes sense whilst SEO work's going on because SEO tends to be a bit longer. Um, or if you want more exposure, so if someone searches in your case, fx training fx sales training if they see your ad and your organic listing it might place a bit more trust because they see you in both um and then likewise if you're on linkedin just building up brand okay okay interesting that's very good actually i think i think viewers are going to find it most interesting okay so um a few more questions looking back on the journey you've been on to get from where you are to who you are now what has been the the worst moment of your journey and what has been the best moment of your journey. And you can't say giving birth to my son. <laughs> like that. Yeah. You're allowed to do that. It's going to be business related. Everyone always goes for the soppy. <laughs> oh, birth of my son. No, 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 no. Let's focus <laughs> on the business. <laughs> I was going to say the pregnancy scared the shit out of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's much better now. He's too. Um, anyway. Yeah. So worst part. Oh, there's been some, been some terrible downs like we were discussing off air just like when we were doing kind of real real cheap websites trying to work with anyone and everyone and you're just tearing your hair out like because you offer things like unlimited provisions which i think most business owners have been there like at the moment at the start you're just trying to pick up work to to get cash flow and things like that so just picking up silly jobs doing stuff super stupidly cheap saying yes to everything and then just realizing that you've invested so much time you've made a loss you've stressed yourself out you probably stress your partner out and whoever else so those kind of things um and then yeah that before i worked for web choice i worked for a marketing company that tried to scale too fast um so they hired a bunch of sales reps and then like a month or so later it all went pete tong all collapsed um so I, luckily I came back to web choice and then eventually became an owner and business. And so I was quite thankful about those, those kind of things. So those were pretty bleak points. Just, yeah, just kind of falling out of a business and stressful projects, things like that. And I'm sure there's been plenty others. Um, good points. Yeah. What's a high? There's, there's loads really. I mean, bus- we're talking business wise, I guess. Business wise, You're not personal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a few, I mean, in terms of the pod, I'm quite happy with how the podcast is done. So I run I run a show called Business Growth Show, B2B Marketing Podcast. And that started off as just a hobby. So yeah. I think literally I just interviewed people I admired, sales trainers, marketers that I wanted to learn from. And then um, 
over time we geared it into more of a tool to interview kind of b2b marketers leaders and things like that to actually give actionable advice on b2b marketing and it's kind of become a business in itself really so it's it's got sponsorships it fuels web choice with leads and things like that so that's quite a quite a good one and then of course when you actually build a website for a business that generates results so when i when we actually build a website and an seo campaign and then the business come back and says look we're only getting one or two leads a, a month and now we're getting like five ten plus a day so you've really kind of grown our business grown our revenue those are always nice moments and then they'll spend more cash with us so it works for everyone <laughs> oh well that's that's good to hear okay a couple more questions um Salespeople love this because salespeople are obsessed with reading. What what are you reading or what would you recommend to a young up-and-coming web developer or marketer? Is there any particular thing that you've read that really helped you that you would want them to, to, to share? Um, most of the books I read are on sales and marketing, so rather than websites generally. Um, yeah. So most of the stuff I've learned has actually been by talking to marketers so my big thing is podcasts. So I'm terrible at reading. I'm super slow. Like my wife can read a book in like a few hours, whereas it takes me probably a few years. So I tend to consume most of my stuff on the road as podcasts. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of things I listen to. I recommend, aside from my show, I recommend a show called Everybody Hates Marketers by Louis Grenier. He's he's a funny guy. He does good stuff. Um, what else have we got? Chris uh, Chris Walker's um, State of Demand Gen is really good just for kind of what's going on in marketing today but those two shows everybody hate mark every, everybody hates marketers and the state of demand jenna probably two of my favorites um but everything else i read is more on sales is more on marketing just general stuff because like i said having a sales process is really important as a business owner if you're selling people okay. all right and if there's any struggling web marketer right now watching this um, they're trying to build a business they 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 want to be their own boss and be their own man or woman um what advice would you give them right now if they're feeling a little down and they're feeling a little overwhelmed and they just think, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this. I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough. What would you say to them? Because you would have been there, I suspect. It's not for everyone. Um, so you need to actually make sure you get enjoyment out of some part of it, whether that is. And this is like this. I heard this a while ago. I can't remember what show it was on, but you need to either enjoy the work itself so if you design and build the sites yourself, you need to enjoy that. Or you need to enjoy the process, whether that's talking to customers, build them out. Or you need to enjoy like the end result. So when when clients say, look, we've had this as a, as a result of your work. So you need to enjoy some element of it. If you don't, then you need to do something else. Um, now, that said, that might sound a bit blunt, but it's true. Now, with that in mind, then, um, yeah, there's there's always ways you can pick up work. So if, if you're like a new website designer or something similar of marketer and you think you're struggling, there's a bunch of ways you can pick up work. Starting with your existing networking connections is always one that I do when I start new businesses. So thinking up who are past customers, past contacts, past colleagues, who can you message? Who can you call, get on the phone to and say, look, we've started this thing. Like, do you know anyone that that might find this interesting or useful and things like that. There's always work to be found. Always look for the quick, easy wins. If you're on LinkedIn, if you're connected to people, always look for the quick wins because that'll get you work straight out of the bat. Um, and then from there, then you can start ramping up things like building a brand on LinkedIn, posting content, YouTube content, podcast. There's so many free ways. Um, I've got tons of tips on my podcast for, for that kind of stuff. Tons of ideas. And if you're struggling, feel free to message me on LinkedIn. 
actually, uh, I'm going to ask you another question I just thought of as you you just said something there, and I wouldn't mind your thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, a lot of people on LinkedIn bang on about creating a personal brand. Hmm. You need yeah. a personal brand. Yeah. To now, I, I hands up, I have created a brand, but I am a one-man operation. There's nothing else. There's no organization. There's nothing. I literally am me. So I understand why someone like me has it. But you're someone who works for a marketing agency or a big web development company, and they've got everything. You are just one of their sales reps or one of their web developers. Do you need a personal brand to sell? I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Because my fear is too many people are being told to do something they don't do. I don't buy because of the salesman's brand. I buy IBM because it's IBM. Well, I've got, I'm like you, I've got an opinion on this. And when it depends what angle you're looking at, Benjamin, because some people's ideas of building a personal brand is posting selfies every day and posting their coffee and all that bullshit. And then if, if none of that ever links to the business or how you help people or what you're actually doing, how the hell are you going to get inbound leads? Um, if none of it's ever, ever, ever relevant to your business and what you actually want to drive revenue for, how the hell do you expect to drive business from it? Maybe I'm like, maybe I'm completely confused and that is how you drive work, but I'd rather kind of give tips and advice about what I'm actually trying to sell. So then people kind of place trust in me, but that aside, you, the scenario you said was a sales rep for an organization. The thing is, it's tricky because if you're building, let's say, I don't know, you sell CRM and it's dedicated to the finance industry. And if you're constantly, if you're constantly posting tips around finance, CRM and finance industry and trying to help people on that, what if you get fired or if you lose your job or things like that, it's a tricky one. Cause let's say you got sacked and then you work for a completely different industry. And if you built up your brand for a year specifically on that topic and you'll remember for that topic, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you're a sales rep, your time, whilst LinkedIn is going to be an effective tool to, to find prospects, to find your target market and to post content, sure. You've also got to think, am I going to be in this industry for the long haul? If yeah. you are, it's going to be fine. If you're not, you might struggle. Um there's lots of other ways LinkedIn's going to be useful for prospecting and starting conversations, but the content side of things, and you've got to consider that. I think that is a, an excellent point, actually, what you've just tailed off of there. Uh, when I set about creating my personal brand, I didn't actually set about to create a brand. The goal was I needed to be seen as an expert in what I do. And so the goal was never to call myself an expert. That's why I came up with UK's most hated. I wanted the exact opposite of what an expert would be but over time through providing content and putting stuff up people started to say i think this guy he's not just an idiot in a red hat he actually kind of knows what he's and so i've crap but you are right how do i take this personal brand into any other field the only other field could be motivational speaking but i'm never going to be a motivational speaker so you are right if you become an expert in your field you have to be that's why you go to lawyers and surgeons and mm. they're specialists yeah. in one thing i and think it's difficult for reps right yeah it's like if you're if you're a sales rep or an exec you don't have to be a sales rep but i think a lot of people that want to generate revenue from linkedin is on a sales notion or a marketing notion now it's tricky because you're probably if you're a sales rep you're probably better off not spending too much, maybe using LinkedIn to find your prospects, yeah. maybe kind of messaging them, voice noting them, videoing them, starting conversations, getting info. But your time's probably better spent offline. Yeah, um, I agree. Especially if you think you're not going to stick out the industry for the long haul. No. 
No, I think that's I think that's an excellent point to end on, actually. So if you are a rep, a sales rep, or anyone out there working for a you know a slightly larger organization, you may want to you know double think about all this build a personal brand because that is a good point. If you're not going to stay in this industry, then you are wasting your time. Yeah, and it's very easy when you're young though to make big grand. Oh yeah, I'll be here. I I I know. Trust me, kid. Uh, when you get a bit older, you suddenly realise that uh, no, I, I made it. That doesn't apply to everyone. There's always exceptions. There's always exceptions. Let's get that right. But statistically, the odds are you'll probably move on to something else in another sector or another field, and all that energy and effort would have been wasted, or in fact, could end up coming back to hurt you because well. I thought you're an expert in this. How can you now be an expert? So, good. Okay, so let's wrap it up. I've enjoyed our chat, uh, Sam. It's been very, very good. So the usual, shouldn't have to do this, but how do people find you? How do they get yeah. in touch with you? Yeah, yeah. So feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Sam Dunning. Um, if you want free tips, if you want to steal my ideas on websites, marketing, and all things SEO, check out Business Growth Show, B2B Marketing Podcast. Um or otherwise, if you're tired of your competitors stealing your leads, your clients, because they're higher on Google, or perhaps you're investing in marketing and you're frustrated your website's not converting the hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of leads or inquiries, or maybe you work with an agency already, but they're not giving you the results they promised, feel free to get in touch. It's webchoiceuk.com. Perfect. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Like I say, my, my talks aren't designed to be Con, not controversial, uh, argumentative. It's not the way I do it. It's just literally to talk to people that are out there every day slogging it, living everything they teach and preach. Uh, and there are too many people out there who don't live what they teach and preach. Um, so that's why I'm talking to the real people doing the real things in the real world. And there you have it. I hope you found mine and Benjamin's conversation of use. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick review or rating on your audio podcast channel is appreciated or subscribe if you're viewing on YouTube goes a long way. And with that, I'll catch you on the next one. Cheers.